We are going to continue in the book of uh, Romans, and so the eighth chapter, if you turn there, if you do not have a Bible and you would like one, please raise your hand, um, and a Bible will be brought to you. Joe um, graciously uh, distributes uh, Bibles for us, and so I appreciate that. Uh, for the rest of us, Romans 8, and we're going to be reading uh, the fifth verse through the eighth verse, actually. Uh, we're going to hold off right there. Um, um, yeah, 9a too. We're going to include 9a. But uh, Romans 8, starting with the fifth verse. Um, if the Bible is brand new to you, you can go to the front content and you can find the book of Romans, which is in the New Testament. And uh, it'll give you the page number and you can take it from there. So um, as we look into God's word together. You with me? All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Verse 5 starts out saying this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not to submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. What a great passage. What a great and amazing passage. As you think about Paul, and you think about the fact that he came from, I do, in chapter 7, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do, and if I don't do what I want to do, then it's no longer I that does it, but it's sin that lives in, in me. And thanks be to Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he goes into, there is therefore now no condemnation unto those who are in Christ Jesus. There's a freedom there, a freedom to live free. Well, how does the Spirit work in that area? How does that work? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's a subject that, that honestly, is, is not talked about much in church. And I don't know if you remember over your past and all the sermons that were preached to you, because I'm sure that every sermon that I have preached on, you have got it written down in your heart, and you could repeat it to me word for word. No, no, but the Spirit of God holds together those truths and those concepts and those I, in, in, in his thoughts. He holds those together in your heart, and he moves and changes you. You see, the message is much more important than the messenger. Much more important. Because the messenger is frail, but the message is not. It's complete. It's perfect. It's true. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. So, no condemnation. How does that work? Paul said um, in 1 Corinthians 4, something that continues to jump out at me, and is important uh, in, in the study of this. Let me read it to you. You can write it down and, uh, uh, and, and, and look at it later. Or if you want to put your finger in and go with me to 1 Corinthians 4. It is just something that continues to jump out at me. 
starts with the first verse. Says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. And so, right, he's been, the Corinthian people, uh, A, uh, treated uh, him and Apollos way too much like gods, and he said, don't do that, that's foolishness. Um, we're nobody, we're just servants. And, uh, and also, there were those people who would not accept what they said. And so, but they said, remember, we've been entrusted with the mysteries of God, so you are responsible before God uh, to respond to that. It says in verse 2, now it is required that those who have been given this trust must be proven faithful. Amen. Amen. Must be proven. I, listen to this. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not, listen, I do not even judge myself. That's interesting, isn't it? Listen to this. How, well, how does that work out? My conscience is clear. But what does that, but does that make me innocent? It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At the time, each will receive their praise from God. Not only condemnation from others, which we immediately say amen to, but also even the fact that in our own hearts, we say, I'm conscious, I'm clear, does not clear me, which is interesting. I don't think Paul is living in a realm of, um, of insecurity. I think he's finding that his greatest security is in the witness of the Spirit of God within his heart and in his mind. How many of us have attempted to try to clear ourselves up by saying, well, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I've, I've got all my chores done this week, and so I can feel pretty good about myself. How has that worked? <laughs> Somebody said, never. Well, I, I hope that's not totally true. But on the other hand, it can't be the totality of it. We have to rest into the movement of God's spirit in our hearts. And that his spirit witnesses to us, right? The spirit of God is the spirit of truth, right? He is, he is the one that, that witnesses to us about, uh, about, um, about sin and about judgment the coming judgment and about righteousness, it is the Spirit. And yet, so little talked about in the church. And, I, I, and I'm afeared that sometimes it's because we've taken reason and put it over God's truth. And when reason rules, when human reason rules, then we become a very um, um, condemning, judgmental, church that is not moved by the spirit of god i i've heard people preach uh time and time again they say they say that you know you go down to the exact minute of your worship right you, you got the counter at the top that says one minute half a minute ready to start and the worship team is up there and then the sermon and everything is counted exactly to a minute and this pastor said where's the room for the spirit where's the room for the spirit and it's so true this week, um, uh, as I was preparing for this, Sue um, asked me a question about a newspaper that I had uh, stuck away somewhere, and I'd forgotten about it. It's from December 20, 2008. It's when we used to have newspapers. I don't know. Do we have these anymore? 
Do you notice this one is yellowed? <laughs> okay, that's just, you know, go there. But anyways, um, the, she says, why do you think church gives life to food pantry? And it's talking, I can't even, I can't even say his last name. Pastor Hank, I don't know what. <laughs> Excuse me? What are you speaking? She is now speaking Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to repeat that. But, yeah, so he um, was the pastor of um, uh, West 44th uh, Street Christian Reformed Church. And in 2008, they, um, they, they had gone from 250 people uh, down to about 30 people worshiping. And so they made a decision to replace in a building spiritual food with physical because physical food brings people. I think it's something we, we need to think about. In a world where churches are dying, we've got to ask the question, why? I think there's a reason. I think it's because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. We've allowed human reason, human logic, instead of God's spirit. And so, and so this passage, it's interesting where it goes. So this is, this is the way Satan works. He works on your emotion. He gets you all fired up or all angry or all whatever. And then that emotion leads to your thought life. This is what life is all about. So this must be my reality. And then he moves to move your will into a direction. Now, you got that from a guy who you know, if you've known me for very long, I'm kind of an emotional guy. But I cannot base the decisions of my life based on emotion. I have to base it on truth. Now, if I get excited about truth, don't condemn me for that. But if I get excited just about emotion and I get, you know, off into what the world calls drama, yeah, yeah. The way that the Lord moves is that he moves our will. He comes to us, and this is, this is the first movement here. This is what's happening in the Holy Spirit. He comes to us in our heart. The mind here, I think, you can, you can, you can interpret it as heart he comes to our heart and he speaks to us. And he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. Will you follow me? That then becomes an enactment of our will in submission to God and then moves us. And yes, joy can be produced off of that. Yes, it can. And there can be emotion to that, but it's not where it starts. It starts with, it starts with the Spirit of God speaking through our heart. Have you ever had the Spirit of God speak to you? Now, I'm not talking about some verbal, something you hear through the ear gate, okay? That can be, that can be not God. You've got to be careful about what comes through the ear gate. The way that I have experienced the Holy Spirit speaking is through the soul. And it's a truth that does two things. First of all, you can't 
misunderstand it. Now, you can push it back, you can reject it, and that then becomes a misunderstanding. But he's not, he's not a God of confusion. He's not. But, so that's the one thing. The other thing is this, is that when you understand, he gets quiet. Because he's waiting for one thing. Will you do it? He's not somebody who says, now, Daniel, come on, dude, I told you what to do. Just do it. <laughs> he does not do that. He, he comes, he comes, in, sorry about that. Is that your shirt okay? I could buy you a new shirt. <laughs> he does not do that. He stays quiet because he's looking for the submission of our will. He's looking for it. If you've been with me long, you've heard my testimony, and you've heard that at 15 years old, on a Sunday afternoon, I stood in the doorway of my house coming home late from church, and, um, and, and, I, and I stood there, and, uh, and just, you know, I said, well, if I miss church once, it's not a big deal. And then a 15-year-old kid stood there longer and heard these words, not here, here, why do you go? Why do you go? Do you go because you want to look good to your parents? Do you go because you want to look like a good person to other people? Or do you go because there's a relationship between you and me? And I put my inch and a half heels on, my bell-bottom pants, and my silk shirt. Yeah, the 70s. <laughs> and I ran a half mile to church because of the voice of God. So who is this Holy Spirit? Who is, God, who is Paul trying to open our hearts and minds to? He is the third person of the Trinity. He is equal with, but has a separate job than the Father and the Son. He is the one that said to his disciples, he is the one that was said about to his disciples that when Jesus said, I must go so the counselor can come. Why is that? Because Jesus in that time was in the form of a human. He could only be in one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit was unleashed and by us receiving and believing what Jesus did on the cross. He comes and lives inside every single heart that receives him. Throughout the whole universe, throughout all seven and a half billion people, if they would do that, throughout all the generations of all time, that is the power and the, um, and the depth of the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe in the presence of God being everywhere. He's not in everything, but he is everywhere. Amen? He's everywhere. We believe in his omnipresence. That means that he's everywhere. But we also believe something else about God, and that is, well, excuse me, the, 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 the passage that answers the question is Psalm uh, 139. It says that, where can I go from your spirit? Nowhere. No, I care where you're at. I don't care. You could be in an apartment. 
That's dark. You could be in a, a mansion. You could be in a mobile home. You could be on the streets homeless. He's there. Yes, he is. He has no favorites. Nobody is middle class to God. Everyone, as Chuck told us, is all about the struggling class. We all come with the struggle of our sin in our life equal with each other. So we believe in the omnipresence of God, but also we believe in, uh, in the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence is that where he's invited into, he manifests himself. Is you invite Jesus Christ into your life because of what he did for you. You receive him as Lord and Savior. The manifest presence of God comes and lives in your heart. When a church comes together and there are two or three are gathered in his name and, and there is a desire for the Holy Spirit to be present and to do what he wants with our hearts. No matter what. Doesn't matter. His presence is there. And so when I, when I read an article like this back in 2008, my heart breaks because the question that I ask is, was the Holy Spirit invited in that place? Is the Holy Spirit invited here? Is he? You have to answer that question. You have to understand. Yeah. So when we, when we look at the Old Testament, we learn some things about the, about the Holy Spirit. We learn, first of all, that he is the giver of life. It says that the Spirit of God was covering the face of the water at creation. He was ready to create. He's the creator of life. Let me tell you this. Every single one of us has experienced death. Every one of us, decisions that we've made, things that other people have thought or done to us, every single one of us experienced death. But I am telling you this, in the presence of the Lord, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is life. There is life. The second thing we learn is that the Spirit is involved in judgment of sinful be human beings. In Genesis 6-3, he shows up again, and the Lord says, my spirit will not contend with men forever, for they are sinful. Every thought is an inclination to sin. Their days will be 120, and if we know our Bible, we realize that God brought a judgment on the people at that time. The eight that were saved through the ark, representation of Jesus Christ, was in contrast to the millions that were drowned to death because of their sin. But I think this is the most interesting thought that I had about uh, scriptural uh, reference to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is involved in the daily work of God's purpose and will on earth. Exodus 31, uh, the, the second verse through the fourth and the sixth says that be Israel. I will fill him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kings of skill, all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you to do. 
The Holy Spirit is involved in our daily life, giving us ability and strength for those who believe him to do the work that we've been called to do. You do not know how important it was for me to think that thought this week. As I stand up in front of you with the great responsibility of the word of God, unless the spirit of God is leading me, I'm wasting your time and my time. But if the spirit of God is in, the, in this place, present with me as I go through my week, present with us as we go together as a church, then the word speaks to your soul and changes you, even if I don't say it. That's the cool thing, because the Spirit can speak. And it, it goes on. It goes on in the, in, the, in the life of the judges. Joshua, Othanel, Deborah, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, all filled with the Spirit of God to do what God called them to do. The Spirit of God is involved in our daily activities. We do not have to do great things. If we just do the right thing that God's calling us to do and do it to give him glory, the Spirit of God is in it. Spirit of God is in it. And he will bring life to your life. He will bring energy to the work that you're doing. And he will bring direction. If you're a mother at home with your children, he's there with you. If you're, a, if you're a person out working in the field and you're doing it for the glory of God, he's there with you. Factory worker doesn't matter. Um, you know, I think, of, I think of Hannah raising Samuel and giving him up to the Lord in, in the temple. And what an incredible thing that she did. Just the, she knew God had answered her prayer. She wanted to give glory to God, and she did. And she gave the one that was given to her back to God. Billy Graham said these words, in the, age, in the Old Testament, there was the age of the Father. During the time of Jesus on earth was the age of the Son of God. And today, the age of grace, we have the Holy Spirit, the most powerful presence of God on the earth. This, of course, does not mean that all are not present. They are. But in this age of grace, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The Son told us that. We're not orphans. We are not alone. I don't care what you, what's happened in your, in your family experience. You're not an orphan. You are here. He is here uh, to be with you. And, uh, and he is witnessing, I believe, even in this moment. And so how does the Holy Spirit uh, connect with us today? Paul opens this door up, and I want to just focus on these passages here today. First of all, I want you to notice that five times the word mind or minds is used in this passage. It refers to the content or thought patterns of the mind rather than to the mind itself. 1 Corinthians 4.13 says these words, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and presents us to himself. You see, belief is the summing up of what develops the pattern of your thoughts. You are what you believe. And you can tell what you believe by what you do. So what do you believe? Paul said, we speak about the Lord because 
we believe. Our minds have been moved. The constructs, the content of our minds have been moved by the Spirit of God to embrace who He is. And it changed our lives. And we can't help but speak about it. We can't help speak about it. The second thing that you see is two times in here, it says the minds are set on. The minds are set on. It refers to truth that, that um, through thought patterns um, are now moved into bents or into basic orientations, meaning that the content of what you have embraced in belief is now moving you, your life, into a direction of reasoning and affections. I think it was Spurgeon that said, Lord, let my life be full of holy affections for you. How many times do you think about the Lord during the week? Is the Lord constantly on your mind? Does he fill your affections and your reasoning? Really does show you where you're at. You know, it's, um, if I were to ask Shelby if she thought much about Joel, I got a feeling she'd tell me, yeah, every day I think about him. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but Wayne, I'm marrying him on the 5th of August. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that her affections and her reasoning is set on something? Yeah, it's not a bad thing. But I think that if you ever want to know how to make her red, just, just say something. Just say something out loud. <laughs> but, but that's right. But are my, are, my, are my affections and my reasoning set on Jesus Christ? Every day. It tells you a lot. You know, we can be religious which is, a, which is a human construct of trying to reach God. We can be religious, but guess what? Where do you think our thoughts are going to be mostly? On us. You know, am I doing this right? Have I got this right? Have I got, have I got all these things down so that I can be good enough to, for God? But if our affections are on God, we're not religious. We're, we are founded on a relationship with the Lord, and it literally controls our minds as though, listen, as though, let me make this point, as though we are the bride of the bridegroom. Yeah. Affections and reason set on the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Is that where you're at? Is that where I'm at? So we talked about the mind, we talked about mindset on. You know what, right, Jesus said this in, or excuse me, Paul said this, moved by the Spirit, in, um, in Philippians 2, 5, it says that, that you should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. That's it. Yeah. He should move. His same attitude. Somebody tell me, what was the attitude of Christ Jesus? Definitely, definitely humble. Um, I, what, what was? 
Yeah, and wanted to talk to the Father all the time. Great answers. Keep going. Servitude. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Exactly. All your answers are right, but the center of the answer is obedience. Not because of a duty, but because of his reason and his affections were set on the Father. He said this, I say nothing and I do nothing that the Father has not told me and has not said to me to do. Now, if the Son of God needed to do that, how much more you and I? How much more? Yes. Yes. And so, same attitude. Somebody once said this, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of your attitude. So true, so true. So the mind, it's set on, and then the third, the third thing is governed or controlled, as you see in these verses, that um, the mind is governed by the flesh or the mind is governed by the spirit. This is the next level. This is actually the movement. This is actually that the slave, thank you, um, Andrew, that the slave does what the master says. He, he's, he's governed and controlled by the master. The slave doesn't do anything outside of what the master said. Okay? And then finally, what happens then? So our mind, the content or thought pattern, um, our bent or basic orientation, governed and controlled by by the, um, by the master, then puts us in a realm. A realm is the place that you have now what you thought, now you have been moved to be. I think one of the greatest tragedies that I see in people's lives is when they're moved by sinful thought to a place they don't belong. Anybody ever been there? I, don't leave me up here alone. Anybody ever been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the realm. It's the realm. It's either the realm of the flesh or it is the realm of the Spirit of God. But you don't have any other choice. Now, we as Americans like to say, no, 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 no. No, I can choose where I want to go. And we, we've kind of developed some kind of neutral ground which... Um, which seems to be, oh, I've got, no, 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 no. You are going to be in the realm of the flesh, you're going to be in the realm of the spirit. Those are the only two realms. And so as we're moved, there's a verse um, in Scripture that says these words in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. It says that the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and to make it obedient. So what I have done is I've opened up how the spirit moves and also how the flesh moves. But I'll also open the fact that is the, that is the center of the war. It's the center of the war. I know this about a crowd this big is that right now there is a war going on inside of your mind. Either to receive what I'm saying or to think it's a bunch of crap. 
and that is uh, Greek for not good. I just want to make sure that we know that. Now, this is the other interesting thing, this is, and this is the hard thing. I have been on an amazing journey with some men for probably over a year and a half now, discovering the implications of this war. We have discovered that um, the reason why it's so difficult to over, overcome sinful habits and to obey God is because physiologically, in our mind, as this spiritual war is going on, there is a physiological connection to it, and that is this. As you believe and live out evil action, you build neuron paths in your mind that connect and become things that not only tie to your soul spiritually, but tie to your mind physiologically. And our Lord said to us that in a moment, he can free our soul. But this takes training. It does. Amen? Yes, it does. And there's a war that goes on there. But it's not a war we can't win. Because if he can change our soul, and we can allow him to work in our minds and to move our lives into new directions, we can have, we can have victory. So what is this flesh? 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Anything that is done not in the Father is sin. Anything that is done is sin is of the world, and it is either the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or it's the pride of life. That just absolutely sums it up. And in here, I want you to notice some things. I've been kind of picking at the words in here, but I want you to notice some. First, when we talk about the desire of the flesh, look at it. In verse 6, it talks about the, the mind governed by the flesh is what? Now, l listen, there's a very important thing that says here. It doesn't lead to death. It is death. Now, how do you know that's true? Because from the beginning, God said that if you eat of the tree, you will what? Yeah, you'll die. Is God a liar? No, he tells the truth all the time. Every single one of us is born dead, spiritually says in Ephesians 2, 1, as per you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. In verse 3, it says, all of us also lived among them at one time. Every single one of us were born dead. We could not respond. We are all born living in the flesh from death to death. Born dead in the spirit before God, absolutely unable to respond to spiritual restoration on our own. Our life decision would be ruled by that reality unless there was someone outside of us. I want you to look at the progression of death in these passages. You know that it's death because in our hearts we're experiencing inner hostility to God. No church have I experienced this more than this one. I can literally, the Spirit has allowed me to see when people are 
in opposition to this word. And when people are surrendering to it, not because of the speaker, but because of the truth of the gospel, there's an inner hostility that pushes back against anything uh, we hear in regard to life change that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives. That is, that, so right, it says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Now look at that. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. This is always interesting to me. Anybody know who Ray Comfort is? Yeah. And you notice that when he goes out, he'll take, he'll, he'll, when he talks to people, he'll use the Ten Commandments as kind of a foundation to introduce a whole new idea to them. Right? We've been taught as a people that we're basically good people. Right? That's what we've been taught by evolution. We're basically good. And so people don't believe that they're, that they're sinful. And so he goes and he will sit down with somebody and he'll say, he'll say this. He'll say, you know, how many lies have you said in your life? And the person will say, well, I can't count them. And he'll say, what does that make you? And they have a hard time coming up with the answer. But a liar, they have a hard time coming up with that. Um, have you had sex outside of marriage? And when they say yes, they say, what does that make you? An adulterer. They have a hard, hard time saying that. Have you ever stolen anything? When they answer yes, what does that make you? A thief. And he'll, then he'll invariably go to this next question. He says, so are you still a good person? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. And that, so it, it we, so... The, the realm of the flesh, the, 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 the guiding of our flesh leads us into a place that's hostile to God and it says here that it does not submit to God's law nor can it do so. Now that is important for all of us to hear because we have to realize that, um, that the only reason that we're sitting in this room is because of the grace of God. The only reason we're receiving what I'm even saying today is because of the grace of God. The only reason that we can love each other in this room as different as we are is because of the grace of God. It is the grace of God that holds us together. Now, I said something, I don't know if you caught it, but when we're born, we live from death to death. What I meant by that is that we're born spiritually dead, and we will someday die physically on this earth, but live a living death in all eternity in hell. And if you don't believe that, we can do a biblical study of that. Um, there was nothing more that Jesus talked about besides money and salvation than hell. And so, um, death to death. Now, can I prove that historically? Absolutely. April 20, 1999. Two teens by the name of Eric Harris, 18, and Dylan Hebold made a decision based on the flesh. They went into Columbine School, and they shot 33 people. 13 died, 20 were wounded. Since that date, 380 school shootings have been in America. 352,000 students experienced gun violence. People of God... We have to realize that in this world, 
in the flesh, we live death to death. Our decisions outside of Jesus Christ are always for our destruction. No, no. You need to hear that. Always for our destruction. Always for our destruction. Philippians 3.19 says their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, meaning their desires, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. The course of flesh is self-interest and self-effort that always leads and always ends up in the same place. And as you see in verse 8, it says that in that realm, we cannot please God, nor will we. Now, I want you to notice, and the Lord gave me this verse this morning, I want you to notice the direction of the desire of the Spirit. He gave me Luke 14, 28. Listen to it. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost of, of it to see if you have enough money to complete it? There's two thoughts behind that verse that are so prevalent. When we are, when we are in, in, you know, being a Christian is not something that you need to be flipping about. I think sometimes we focus too much on the moment of somebody saying, I received Jesus Christ, and not in the life of a disciple. A life of a disciple is somebody who has heard the words from the Lord, said, follow me, and they follow him. If, if, if you're someone here today that has never received Jesus Christ, then, then I, I, just, I challenge you to receive him as Lord and Savior. But the way you do that is you admit to him the sins you've done, and you say, I will follow you with my whole life. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where it leads from here. Because I see where it was leading back here. I see where it was going. But I will follow you no matter what the, no matter what the cost. Why? Because you realize the cost. You see, God is the builder of salvation. So the first cost you consider is what he did on the cross. And the great cost that he paid for your sin. That his pain was not the nails, but it was taking your sins, and you name them, on himself, and bore them. God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that you could be the righteousness of God. And so, yeah, amen. And, and that's, so that's the first cost, okay? He's enough. No, 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 he's enough. No, no, no. He's enough. He paid total sin for you. He's enough. His blood covers it completely. Past, present, and future. Now, that's not a license to keep sinning. But it is the awesome hope that we have. We're no longer under condemnation. We're no longer under, I don't do what I don't want, what I want to do, and I don't do what I want. And I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. But you know what I mean, right? He, you, yes, we're under that, and you consider that cost. Then the second cost is, I'm giving you my life. No, no, it doesn't matter where I'm going. You know his disciples, I think they questioned his methods, but I don't know that they really questioned the direction they were going. They just followed him. They just followed him. 
and they didn't. They didn't understand. At one point in time, when he started going to Jerusalem, he became scary to them because he absolutely put his face to Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, they didn't know who he was because he had one purpose in his mind, that was to follow the Father. So they followed him, following the Father, to the cross. And 11 of them did the same thing in their own lives in various ways. Only Peter was crucified, and he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way his Lord was. John was the one to put on the island of Patmos. And so consider the cost. And also this, consider the fact that that when uh, your mind is governed by the Spirit, it is what? Life and peace. Absolutely. Why is your whole life driven by God? Because you're a new what? A new creation. You're not the old person anymore. You're brand new. Nothing that's happened in your past has any more power over you. You're not that same person. And if you have not done that today, today's a great day. Don't let, don't let the flesh harden your heart. But, but it's, also, it's also not only life, but it's peace. Sue and I went to a Catholic wedding yesterday. Wonderful observance. Um, such an honoring way that they, the bride and the groom, so everybody went up front, and then, and then um, the bride came down, and once that was done, all the attendants sat down in the front row, and then the bride and the groom sat off to the side to hear the priest teaching. And I thought, wow, that's really honoring. Man, I, you know, that, that'd be kind of fun just to have the two of them up there chat a little bit about the Word of God. But it was great. But after the wedding, we went to a reception, and uh, we sat across the guy from... Um, Grand Ledge at our table. And I got talking to him. And it's a really amazing story because his wife was a Christian before he was. And in their relationship, she introduced him to Christ. And he came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I don't suggest evangelism dating. Okay, that's not what I'm doing here. But God can do a miracle at times, correct? And so anyway, so I, you know, he's across the table from me. So you know me. Up I go. Let's talk. And I said, tell me what's happened in your life that you know the presence of God is with you. And he said, I have a peace that I've never had before. Isaiah 26, 3 4 says this You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the God Himself, is the rock eternal. I've been talking to you about the Spirit. I've been talking about the fact that He affects. The first effect is your mind. He comes in and He speaks to you. I do not want you to answer this question, but has He spoken to you? Have you heard Him? Have you heard Him? Such an important question. I'm trying to think of the year. I think it was in the early 2000s. And um, a guy from the church that I served at at the time, um, 
North Holland Reformed Church, his, uh, uh, the guy's name was Ken Essing. And uh, he came to my wife and said, I think you need to go to Guatemala. And I am going to pay for your way to Guatemala. And, you know, she has learned some things from me, so impulsively she said yes. Anyway, um, she said yes. And then she came home and she went, uh, 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 A, I'm not sure I want to go to Guatemala. B, I know I don't want to go on a plane. And C, is this of the Lord or not? And so she, her friend, she called a friend, um, and uh, you, right, it's a game show. You phone a friend. And, um, and so she phoned a friend, and the friend said, well, have you asked God? And she says, no, I haven't. She said, well, ask God. So she did. She asked God. And so that night, she was reading a magazine, and she opened it up, and it said, get on that jet and go on your great adventure. She about threw the book off the page. <laughs> ah! And so she believed the Lord, the Spirit was speaking to her. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to speak in that way all the time, but I think he did in this instant. And, uh, and so she prepared for the trip. Well, it was one night they had, I think they showed the Jesus film, and, uh, and they were all packed in a little, what they did, you need to know this, I, I got time to do that. But what they did is they built these little 10 by 10 houses. They're called condos. That's a whole new concept of condo for me, but it was condo. And, uh, and so they would build these during the day, and then they would show the Jesus film at night. And so uh, they were, they did this, and as one night, as Sue walked out of the, out of the, uh, uh, village, there was an elderly lady. You have a picture. Would you throw that up in front? There was an elderly lady that was, um, that was standing outside. And, um, of course, Sue didn't have a clue what she was saying, but Sue noticed that she had no shoes. And so Sue believed that God was moving her to give her shoes to this woman. So she's holding Sue's shoes in her hand. And, uh, and she was happy as a lark. And uh, when Sue told me that story the first time, tears were running down her face. The Spirit of God moves. And his first move what is, in your, is here and here, connected. <laughs> heart, and, heart and head. His first move is in your mind. Now, I don't know what you're, what's going through your thoughts today. I don't know what you're thinking about where your mind is focused today. But Jesus is calling you to think on him. He's the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is life. And so I pray that as I have spoken today, that your hearts are moved to listen to him. Because there's no greater place in the face of this earth than to listen to the God who wants to speak to you. Remember, when he spoke, all the worlds were created. It is just as powerful in your life and mine. And I pray that he will speak life into your hearts and speak peace into your hearts. And that you'll move forward trusting him with all things. Stand with me as we pray.
Pray with me. Father in heaven, I am so thankful for this morning and so thankful for uh, a dear group of people that, Lord, we are walking with each other and we're with each other. And I pray that, Father, that our hearts were warmed by your word and that our hearts were moved to look at our lives. Lord, there is so many things today that want to hold on to our minds and want to uh, put us in a realm that is not of the spirit, but in a realm of the flesh, separation, division, prejudiceness, um, Lord, um, anger over somebody, what they have done to me or, or past or, or Father, um, Lord, I just, I think today of, of someone whose parents are divorcing and, and where their mind is at. And I, and I think of others who, Lord, are, are, um, are living a life that is very hard because they feel that they have been pushed into that by the decisions of other people. And, and Father, I just, I just pray over this dear group of people, that, Father, you'll move in the lives and heart of these people, that, Father, you'll speak to them, that, Father, they will hear your voice, and they'll move into the realm of the spirit instead of the realm of the flesh. Father, speak to all of us, for time is short, and Jesus is coming back, and the same spirit that raised Jesus' body from the dead is going to someday for each one of us, raise our bodies from the dead, connect our souls to our bodies, and glorify that body and live with the Lord forever. We don't have much time. I pray over relationships, even this room. I pray for children that have walked away from the Lord. I pray for, um, I pray for grandchildren that need to hear a word from the Lord, that, Lord, you have promised in your word that even though I am aging, I will still be... Um, I, I will still be green with producing fruit because I will speak of the work of the Lord from one generation to another. You are the God that is over all generations. Your spirit is moving in and among us. Father, let that be so. And may we walk out of here known, knowing that our minds, that, that, that our constructs, that our orientations, that, our, that that which controls us is of you. And we're moved into the realm of your spirit and walk believing that you're leading each step of our path. We love you and we trust you. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray.